Thanks for joining Impact Boom. On this episode... And how do we make community a genuine community enterprise where where no one is left out and left behind and where we're pulling together with common purpose and a common direction, really marshalling our common and shared resources. So that's, in essence, what what we're seeking to do. Welcome to impactboom.org. We search the globe to find the people, stories, ideas, and inspiration to help you create maximum positive impact. Each week, Impact Boom brings you thought-provoking interviews with world-leading practitioners passionate about creating positive social change. These designers, social entrepreneurs, educators, innovators, thinkers, and doers share their projects, initiatives, thoughts, and insights on creating a better world. You can find all the stories, links, and other great content at impactboom.org. Follow us on Facebook or Twitter for the latest updates or subscribe to the newsletter or on iTunes. Thanks for listening to episode 332 of Impact Boom. My name's Indio Miles and I'm passionate about communicating the initiatives and enterprises causing sustainable and positive change globally. Today, we're speaking with Rich Harwood, president and founder of the Harwood Institute. For over 30 years, Rich Harwood has devoted his career to revitalizing the nation's hardest hit communities, transforming the world's largest organizations, and reconnecting institutions to society. He has developed a philosophy by which people can learn to solve common problems, create a culture of shared responsibility, and deepen civic faith. The Harwood practice of turning outward has spread to all 50 US states and has been used in 40 countries. Rich is an inspiring and sought after speaker. He has written six books, including the newly released Unleashed, A Proven Way Communities Can Spread Change and Make Hope Real for All. He has authored scores of articles and reports, most recently, the groundbreaking Civic Virus, Why Polarization is a Misdiagnosis, and frequently appears on national media, including NPR, MSNBC's Meet the Press Daily, CNN, PBS NewsHour, and more. On today's podcast, we will discuss the Harwood Institute's long-term ability to affect social innovation and future opportunities for communities to cooperate and apply innovative practices. Rich, thank you very much for joining us today. It's great to be speaking with you. India, great to be with you. Thanks for having me. To start off, could you please share a bit about your background and what led to your work in social innovation? Sure. You know, actually, it started when I was very young. I was a really sick child, um, diagnosed with cystic fibrosis uh, under one years old. And in the early 1960s, that was a death sentence. You were predicted to live five years. And at one point, the doctors turned to my parents and said, face it, he's a lemon. And in that experience of being sick, I learned really quickly what it feels like to be invisible, to not be seen and heard, to be chewed up by a medical system that's intending to actually heal you, but did more harm than good, um, losing my sense of dignity uh, really early on and struggling for many years to sort of regain my health. And so that has sat with me all these years. You know, building on that, I worked on 20 campaigns by the time I was 23 years old. The last one, I was an aide to a US presidential candidate. I worked for a couple of nonprofits that I think did wonderful work. But, you know, India, what I felt was that too many groups were 
and still are afraid to get dirt under their fingernails and do the hard work that really requires um, change and that brings about mm -hmm. change. And so all of these things kind of conspired in a positive way, I guess, uh, to lead me when I was 27 years old to start the Institute with the belief mm -hmm. that we need new ways to imagine and to create change moving forward, that it needs to be rooted in affording every individual dignity, that each and every individual needs to be provided opportunities to reach their potential. And here in America, that each and every individual um, needs to uh, be able to participate and co-create America's promise. In Australia, you might say that everyone's given a fair go. And, um, and so, so all of these things have led me to this place. And last thing I'll say is that there's not a day that goes by when these memories of what brought me here uh, don't inform the choices and judgments and actions that I'm taking. Mm, wow. It's a really, really beautiful background and so, so much adversity and key learnings there that have really clearly turned and been pushed throughout your career. And you've really brought those to the forefront and you touched on it there, but you're the president and founder of the Harwood Institute for Public Innovation. So could you share a bit more about the organization's core purpose, its values, and then also its activities and how it's creating that social impact? Sure. You know, we're really interested in how do you build bridges um, in a time of such division? How do you create a, a sense of shared responsibility, a culture of shared responsibility in communities? And, and how do we make community a genuine community enterprise where, where no one is left out and left behind and where we're pulling together with common purpose and a common direction, really marshalling our common and shared resources. So that's in essence what, what we're seeking to do. We, we think increasingly, you know, we're facing challenges of deepening fault lines in our society, whether it's here in the States or in other countries and a weakening civic culture. And that we need to take action that brings those two pieces together so that we're both as some would say in social innovation, moving the needle on the challenges that we're facing and at the mm. very same time, rebuilding and strengthening and reconstituting and, and reimagining in some ways what our civic culture needs to be when our society is becoming increasingly diverse and challenging. So, you know, we have three strategies that we're pursuing in this work. One is that, um, and our strategies have evolved every five years really as our work has evolved you know so one is that we're going really deep in a handful of collection of communities to actually help demonstrate that we can as as individuals and communities address these fault lines and rebuild our civic culture at a time of immense resistance right that we can unleash this great network that we've been fortunate enough um to help build both here in the United States and in other countries of public innovators. And, and how do we enable people to step forward and do this work in ways that they can adopt and adapt this practice that we've developed, this approach that we've developed and make it their own without us, right? Without us monetizing it all the time, without us claiming ownership of it all the time. You know, sometimes they're, they're peeling our brand off and and our and our name off and and reconstituting with other things that they're doing and I'm like that's fantastic that's the best thing that can possibly happen and then third you know we've been committed since the day I started this and all through the last 30 plus years to 
continuing to do research and innovation because we're constantly learning every single day. In fact, just today, we released um, a new approach and a new tool that we're gonna be spreading to um, this network that we work with uh, in terms of how to create shared responsibility in communities. So each and every day there's new learning, new innovation um, that really continues to excite me um, in this work. Mm. Wow. The, the Harwood Institute just has a suite of really fantastic kind of activities and innovations. And you guys are really moving the needle on a, quite a few of those issues over there, especially in the States. So it's just wonderful to follow the work of you guys. And you've had a, a massive career there at the Harwood Institute, and it's spanned over 30 years now. So if you could, if you could share with our audience what have been some of the biggest things you've learned? What are some of the key takeaways from this career that if you could pass on to someone just starting out their own impact journey, you would say to them? Well, if I was passing on insights to someone who's starting their own journey, mm. what I would say is, first, I would pick up the word you just used, India, which is that if you're really interested in social innovation, if you're really interested in social impact, or what I would say, if you're really interested in making a contribution to the world around you, no matter how big that contribution is or how small, mm. then I think, first of all, you have to come to some clarity that this is a journey in and of itself, that this is a journey of learning. It's a journey of trial and error. It's a journey of getting knocked down and getting back up. It's a journey of having to have incredible resilience and persistence um, and get up and go. It's a journey of being awake many nights and wondering what the hell is going on with this work that we're doing and why isn't it working right now? Mm -hmm. And what does it mean to recalibrate these efforts and to not hold on so tightly to what you've created that you're unwilling to see what you need to create moving forward that might be different, that is in fact different than what you've done in the past. And I think that journey requires, and this is gonna sound like platitudes, but I, I think it's really true. I, I think it requires a courage to put a stake in the ground about, this is what I believe, this is what I want to work on, this is what I'm willing to stake uh, this journey around. It also requires an incredible amount of humility to know that you don't have the answers, that the answers you're generating are evolving all the time, that you're going to have to pick up your stake in public when you realize that you have to recalibrate your efforts and move it to a new place and take mm. your best guess based on what you've learned and evidence that you've gathered and intuition that you have and belief that you hold that you have to place that stake in a new place and everyone's gonna see you do that. And to me, that's a good thing. And then last, what I would say is uh, you have to be willing to be vulnerable. You know, this work, the folks who listen to your incredible podcast, um, you know, this work that we all do and that we all share in, in many respects, does require kind of toughness and a, a kind of courage that I was talking about, but it requires just as much, if not more vulnerability uh, to join with others, to recognize that you don't know everything, to recognize that sometimes you're hurting and that this work 
is is really difficult. And that vulnerability is really necessary if you're going to move forward and grow as an individual and if you're going to be willing to reach out and grow with others as well. Mm, wow. Yeah, just some really, really beautiful piece of advice there for, for anyone trying to, to create that social impact or to just see some change in that community around them or in the world around them. That was amazing. And just thank you so much for sharing that, Rich. I, I think there was so much for, to take away from those, those piece of advice there for our audience. And looking into the future now, if we're looking a bit more broadly in the space and kind of maybe some of the obstacles around us, what are some of the most pressing issues and challenges that you foresee arising for people who are seeking to create that social change? You know, it's interesting. I, there's so many things as you were asking that question that go through my mind, mm. you know, I, uh, you know, where my mind goes right now is that in so many ways, so many of our institutions and styles of leadership and networks are not equipped for the challenges that we face. So much of our time, you know, we have these obsessions with, with metrics, which I think are important. We have obsessions with raising money. We have obsessions with scaling. We have obsessions with our own strategies. And all of these things lead us to be inward looking um, when we're not careful. And they lead us farther and farther away from the very communities and challenges and indeed aspirations that we seek to serve and to animate and to make real in the world. And so I think as some of the challenges that I think of, it's how do we build, well, first, how do we imagine and begin to create and then build organizations and institutions and our leadership styles and networks that are open to the challenges that we face, that are really truly turned outward toward communities that are willing to experiment and not believe that they always have to have the answer, even though we do need to have evidence that our work does work. I really do believe mm. that. That we need to not worry so much about scaling all the time as if you can flip a switch and that occurs, but think more about how we spread things more like a positive contagion in society where we're not pushing things so much, but where people are pulling us toward them because they believe so much in what we were doing and how we're going about it. And last thing I would say is, you know, we tend to focus so much on what we do. And increasingly, as I've gotten older in these 30 plus years that I've been doing this work, I've come to believe that how we do the work is as important as what we do, particularly now given the challenges we face, not just in the States, but in Australia, in places like Sri Lanka, in, in all sorts of places all around the globe. Mm, yeah, that's a, that's a really, really key message there, for, that it's important about how we achieve things and not just what we are achieving. I, I really love that piece of advice there. And it's so important for people in that social impact space to to ensure that everything we're doing is considering that social outcome and, and that positive outcome at the end there. And it's good to see that you guys at the Harwood Institute are really instilling that in the organizations that you're working with. And can I, can I, at the risk of going too long, can I just- No, 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 jump back in, please. Yeah, you know, I think 
and I know this is true in countries around the globe, and it's true particularly here in the U.S., mm. we face a crisis of belief and belonging and community in society, particularly democratic societies. And what I think we need to keep in mind that what really is the goal here? Is it to create the next best thing? Or for me, it's really to help engender a greater sense of belief in ourselves and in one another that we can actually come together and get things done. It's to engender a greater sense of belonging in society. It's to engender a greater sense of what we would call at the Institute civic faith in our ability as a society, as a common enterprise to do things and for people to find a place and to have a place within those societies. And so I think one of the things that we have to really keep our eye on is that we're working towards something much larger than ourselves, much more important than ourselves, mm. much more important than anything that any of us can develop by ourselves. And that to me is really critical, particularly at this time uh, in history, in this juncture of history in which we are, we're all living in and trying to move forward. Mm. Yeah, very well said. Thank you so much for sharing that, Rich. And now, if we're looking a bit more at opportunities, we just we just kind of tackled a bit more of those those obstacles and those difficulties. But now, if we're looking for those opportunities, where can governments and large businesses foster innovation in the communities they coexist with? Yeah, you know, we're working with one of the largest companies here in the states that has facilities all across the United States and then around the world, um, and. You know, it's interesting because they have a very active corporate social responsibility program. But what they've come to realize is that they're not creating any social impact. They're not mm -hmm. uh, laying the groundwork for any kind of social innovation. And so I think one of the things I really admire in this particular company is that they decided to really examine what are their assumptions about how they invest in communities, not just their dollars, but their expertise, their resources, their credibility, their relationships, and how is it that they can use those assets to help spark and catalyze change in these communities in ways that is not just brand positioning for this corporation, but is actually creating healthier, thriving communities in which these, this, this corporation's employees live and wanna grow their families and wanna hopefully maybe even retire and want to make sure their children stay in when they graduate from high school or college and want to make a life there. And so I think lots of large corporations can be thinking about the way, the relationship they have with society. Yes, to make money and provide value for their shareholders, but also yes, to provide value for society itself by using their very assets to do that in ways that sit at the intersection of who they are as a brand, what their mission is, and how they can contribute to society uh, by, by aligning those things in ways that make sense. And I think it's possible and we're seeing it happen. Mm -hmm. Wow, really, really well said there, they're, they're Rich. And I'm glad to see that you're seeing that alignment as well happening within these brands and these companies and organizations you're working with. So that's really, really fantastic and a, and a bit of a good omen for the future. So. 
yeah, fantastic to hear. And we're moving in now to the end of our interview, Rich. I've just got two questions left to ask you. So the first one is what inspiring projects or initiatives have you come across recently that are creating a positive social change? Well, you know, I just literally got off a call with people in Reading, Pennsylvania, hmm. which is a town that 10 years ago was declared the poorest community in America, oh. was a white working class community and is now 65% Hispanic. And when before people think that that's homogeneous, it's folks from five, six, seven different countries that all have different dialects, heritage, history, customs. So it's actually more diverse today than ever before. And at a time, at least in the States, where we have been enveloped by debates in education about what's called critical race theory, about banning books in schools, about upheavals on social on school boards, about debates, nasty debates about whether or not kids should wear masks in, in classrooms because of COVID. Uh, this community at the very same time, because they created fundamentally different conditions, created an educational equity agenda for their community that they not only created that agenda at this time, but local funders came together and said to a national funder, India, we don't want your national money. We wanna fund this locally. And they funded this initiative, this social impact, social innovation initiative. It's the largest initiative they've ever funded in this community. And not only did they do that, but now they have all these folks who are developing into innovators who are formed action teams who are now taking action on three priorities in the community uh, to ensure that every young person can fulfill their potential and be, in this case, be part of America's promise. So I'm so inspired by the work that these individuals and these groups are doing, not because they happen to be working with the Institute, that's the least of it, it's because they decided to step forward. They decided to push away all the negative narratives about their community coming in from the outside. They decided to marshal their collective resources, which aren't a whole lot by some measures, but are enormous by their own measures. Mm. And they're actually setting out and creating change in real ways already. And I just find that so incredibly inspiring. I've been doing this work now for 30 plus years and I still get goosebumps when I listen to the progress that people are making, the commitment that they're making, the faith that they're growing in themselves and one another, they, they actually can be part of creating the kind of change that they wanna see in their own lives and in their own community. That's, I still find remarkable. Mm. Do you have a name for this organization? Well, it's actually a collection of organizations. So mm. the, the, the initiative doesn't even have a name. So, uh, wow. you know, there's some stuff on, on our website about it but but yeah and again this is another thing right which is they don't have a name they don't have any letterhead they don't have a phone number it's it's just different groups that have come together to take shared action to innovate together to produce real impact in people's lives and they're tossing away all the things i was talking about before you know that get in our way because we think these things have to look a certain way or sound a certain way or be a certain way and um, I just have so much admiration for the folks who have stepped forward to do this. Mm, wow. It sounds like a wonderful initiative there that's happening in, in Reading, Pennsylvania. And that's super exciting. Just so much effort there. And I definitely got some goosebumps as well here, just listening to you speak about it as well. Like it's so clear that 
how much social impacts happening there and all of the lives that are being changed. So thank you so much for sharing that story. And now to finish off, what books or resources would you recommend to our listeners? Well, I can, I guess, talk about a couple of few books that I've I'm just finished or reading. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm really interested right now at the intersection of how communities can move forward, trauma, loneliness, mental health, because these are all undercurrents in our work wherever we go now. And they, mm-hmm. to an earlier question you asked, they are increasing undercurrents that need to be addressed. So one book that I just finished that's, I think, a really remarkable book is called Healing by Dr. Thomas Insel. And he's the former head of, in the States, the National Institutes for Mental Health. Um, And it's a really good book in part because he talks about the three Ps, people, place, and purpose, and says that all the professionals in the world can't solve the mental health crises that we face around the world. It takes people, it takes a commitment the place and it takes purpose in people's lives and you know in the uh, those are all things we can create together mm-hmm. along with mental health professionals uh, a second book is a book called um i believe self and soul and it the subtitle is um the defense of ideals and it's by a professor i believe at princeton university called mark edmondson and it's just a wonderful accessible book uh, and, and really for those folks who are trying to create social impact who are on this journey. It's a book about journeys and how we imagine ourselves on this journey. Is it simply about ourselves or is it something larger about our souls and our connection to others? And how do we comport ourselves or bring ourselves into the world as we make our way through this journey? I think it's a great book for for folks who are in the social impact, social innovation world. And then just lastly, what I would say, just um, because it's fun, is I just reread all the Harry Potter books. And um, I love fables. Um, I think they're really instructive to people who are on journeys. And, um, you know, I read them with my kids when they were younger, now they're grown up. And, uh, and I just found them equally inspiring um, uh, with new insights now uh, as an adult. So, so I, I would sort of point to those three things. Wow. Yeah, just a collection of very, very unique and different books there as well for people to check out and across so many different areas as well. So all of those books, resources, initiatives, uh, enterprises, organizations that you mentioned throughout the interview, they'll be linked in at the end of the article. So once people have either checked out and listened to the podcast or read through the article on our website, they'll be able to click on through and see all of that different content and engage with it. So that actually brings us, unfortunately, to the end of our interview today, Rich. And I just want to say on behalf of Impact Boom, thank you so much for for making the time to have this conversation. Uh, It's been hugely inspiring and, and insightful and so many different key lessons there and you've had just a a a beautiful career and you had so much impact throughout your life at the institute and i just can't wait to to see more of it in the future as well there's going to be so much more ahead as well so yeah I, i wish you all the best and thank you so much thank you great to be with you thanks for having me Thanks for listening to Impact Boom. You'll find links to the initiatives, people and resources mentioned in this podcast on impactboom.org. 
please leave your comments below and remember, we'll be publishing fresh inspiration and insights to help you create positive impact every week on the website, Facebook page and Twitter. Thank you.